0: 1 Samuel chapter 9. I don't want to read all of this. I want to tell you the story and read a portion of the Scripture. God is going to raise up a king for Israel. And uh, God's the one that raises him up. And when God raises a king up and God raises people up, it's not by vote. They didn't take a vote for this man. Uh, They wanted a king and God's going to give them a king. And God's going to choose a king for them. And um, from verse 1 and following, um, Saul's father's sheep, I mean not sheep, donkeys, went astray. And he sent Saul and a servant out to look for him. And what God's doing... You know, you know, God. did you know God's got control of this universe, whether we realize it or not? He, he's really the one in control. If we'd find, look for God in everything, and uh, more of God in everything than the devil, we'd find a lot more answers than, instead of despair. But here God... God got behind a bunch of donkeys... And led them off someplace and made this man worry about them and sent his son looking for him just to get Saul to Samuel. That's all all he did. He's going to get Saul to Samuel. And he wandered around and told all the places he went looking for these donkeys for about three days and couldn't find them. And uh, he got worried that his daddy was going to get worried and they couldn't find these donkeys. And the servant said, Well, there's a prophet that lives here in this town. Let's go ask him, and he'll tell us where it's at. And so they went to see Samuel. Now, I want to begin reading in verse 15. They're getting ready to to see Samuel. And I want to begin reading in verse 15. Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear, A day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man out of the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be captain over my people that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines for I have looked upon my people because their cry is coming unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul the Lord said unto him Behold the man whom I spoke to you of The same shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray you, uh, where is the seer's house? And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me into the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. And as for your donkeys that were lost 3 days ago set not your mind on them for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? And he's making a statement here a question. And on who whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? And Saul answered and said am i am not i a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak to me like this? In other words, why are you saying this to me? Now, here's the the point that I want to get to tonight. And, uh, you know, God does very strange things you know, I'm, I'm really amazed. If you get, really get into the Word of God, God does some very strange things. God picked this man out. God picked out a man and brought him to Samuel, told Samuel about it. And when he presented the, even the thought of it to, to Saul, Saul thought, saw himself uh, both, both as the smallest and the least. But you know, that's what God's looking for, the smallest and the least. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. The smallest and the least. God's looking for the smallest and the least. He's not looking for the biggest and the best, but the smallest and the least. Okay? There's a scripture that says this. Promotion comes not from the east or the west, or from the south but from where? from above promotion comes not from the east or the west or the south but from above God is the one who sets those in places I looked up the word promotion and uh, it's a primary root word it means to be high are actively to raise or rise. In other words, being set high doesn't come from the east or the west or the south, but comes from above. God sets in order those whom He wants to set in order. Now, I looked up a lot of scriptures on this, and I want to share some of them with you, and then I want to show you what God is not... You know, sometimes we read these things, and I'm not talking about making kings tonight. You know, we've got a king. And God's not going around looking for kings tonight, but He's looking for those He can set on high. He's looking for those He can set in a high position. He's looking for those He can set in a high position, and it's every one of us. I'm not talking about certain specific places or positions or I'm talking about every one of us, and I hope you can see this tonight, that God is looking for the least, those that can see that they're the least, and the smallest, and He wants to set those on high. Okay? Now, if you will, I want you to turn with me to Psalms. I want us to look at a a word that... uh, Psalms 3. Let's go there first. Psalms 3. Verse 3. Says this. But thou, O Lord are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Now this word, lifter up, in here, is the same word, same Hebrew word, for promotion. When we find out that the Lord promotes, in other words, listen to what it says. You, O Lord, are a shield for me, My glory and the lifter, promoter of my head. In other words, he doesn't just lift my head up; he lifts me up. Folks, we are, we are higher than the enemy. Okay, God sets us in high places. He sets us above, not below. The Scripture says, "With the head, not the tail." We're over, not under. God has come to set us in high places. Now, we've got a choice. We'll either be in high places or low places. I mean, if you want to be the tail, you can sure be the tail. You can still know God and be the tail. But He puts us in high places. Now, if you'll turn with me to... uh, um, Psalms seventy-five. I like to get my scriptures out of the way so I can preach. There is a word scattered throughout the Word of God. Now I didn't know, realize how many places it was, but it's all over the Word, and it's the word horn. I, when I say horn, I mean horn, okay? You know? I mean like that comes out of a cow? Horn. And what it means, the meaning of it, is power. When you find the word horn, you find the word for power or authority. Remember in Daniel, quite a few places it talked about seeing people with ten horns and eleven horns, two horns. That's always authority or power. That always meant power. Okay? Now, in Psalm 75, look at verse 4. I said unto the fools, Deal not foolishly and to the wicked. Lift not up the horn. In other words, don't raise up your own power. In other words, don't be lifted up. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. So you know what he's talking about? Haughtiness. In other words promoting yourself. In other words, lifting yourself up into high positions. For pr- promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. For God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Okay? God is the one. And, and it doesn't come from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God's the one sets down one and lifts up one. In Psalms 18. Psalms 18. Verse 1. I will love you, O Lord, my strength, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom whom will I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. You see that? God is is our strength the strength of my salvation? God is the strength of my salvation, He is the strength of it. Now, turn with me to Psalms 89. Look at verse 17. <clears throat> it says, For you are the glory of their strength, and your favor our horn shall be exalted. In your favor, excuse me. And in your favor, or grace, our horn, our strength, our authority, shall be exalted. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. But do you see that again? He is the the he in in your favor. Our horn shall be exalted, our authority shall be exalted. Okay. Now look at chapter eighty-nine. Excuse me, just eighty-nine, wouldn't we? Oh yeah, eighty-nine, verse twenty-four. It says, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. Now, this is the Lord speaking. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. In his name shall our horn be exalted. Remember what we talked about Sunday? In the name of Jesus. Our strength is exalted where? In his name. Okay? Now look at chapter 92. Verse 10. But my horn shall you exalt like the horn of a wild ox. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Fresh oil. Boy, this is what I was talking about earlier. Wouldn't you like to have some fresh oil? I mean, the Lord here is speaking about fresh oil. And I saw in the, in the book of uh, the Acts, I saw in Acts, It talked about the people in various times after Pentecost that the Spirit of God fell and filled the people. In other words, they would have a prayer meeting at some places and an earthquake would come and it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like they got a fresh anointing a fresh wind, a fresh spirit, a fresh awareness, a fresh uh, build-up, whatever you want. God come fresh to them. And this is, this is what I think that, that we're, we're lacking and we need. We're trying to live off of old oil and old manna and old experiences. And we're trying to think back About how good it was last week or last month or last year, and trying to live off of that experience. And we can't. That doesn't last. We have to have freshness, we have to have fresh awareness, we have to have fresh presence of God. We cannot live on what we had, what we had gets old. In fact, the manna that got old, the Bible said it stinketh. It would get worms in and stink because it got old. Now, I almost don't think I can go through these other scriptures. I just want to talk. You know, the more I read this in the last couple of days, the more I read over it and read over it and read over it, I saw that what God has for us is an exalted place above troubles, above our enemies, a place of His presence a place of joy a place of victory a place of anointing a place that we don't go through periods of worry and anxieties a place where we are confident that God is our strength we're confident that God is victorious that we're confident that God is going to take care of this problem we're confident that God's promises are true, we're confident of these things, and we're not trying to find out if these things are true. We need to live in a place in our life where we're not trying to get faith, that we're walking in faith. That we're not trying to, to have hope, that we're walking in hope. That we're not trying to have victory, that we're walking in victory. And I think that's what the normal ought to be. And we can't be there if we're not spending our time with the Lord drawing on this source. You know, I find it in my own life, finding that I'm trying to live off of yesterday. I mean, I have the presence of God... I meet with God and find the presence of God and the joy of the Lord and the Word is real to me and I'm ready to go out and fight the world and the devil and everything in it. And I'm so confident and so full of victory that the next day I don't have time to pray, do not have time because I'm living so high and going to walk in such victory and wondering what happened the next day because I haven't stayed with the Source. Now, all the scriptures, I'll just kind of throw things out at you, but I'm not going to get into these things. Basically, it's this. This is what I saw. That it was our weakness, our humbleness, our yieldedness, and not our haughtiness or self-confidence that brings this place of exalted place. Because when we feel that we've got it finally handled, we feel that we've got a hold of it, we sense, we get to the place where we, we we do not feel the necessity to draw on the strength of God. We're drawing on our own strength, we're drawing on what we had, what we used to have, and we're wondering why the joy is not there. Don't you have days now of not joy? You know, I was reading John and he said a bunch of things and he kept saying that your joy may be, what? Full. That your joy may be full. It ought to be full. And I think it's half empty. And it's supposed to be, what? Full. Amen? Amen? Well how you get there. I'm, I see one I've written down here and I'll just throw this one out there. Listen to what it says. Before honor this is in Proverbs in two places. Before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. Now, I, I, I'm I, getting t- tired of a lot of things. And I know you get tired of things at times. I get tired of the devil knocking us around. There's a lot of things I get tired of. And I was praying about this a while ago out loud to you, before you. Not to you, but before you. I'm tired of seeing and hearing about And the whining of worry and defeat and concern and anxiety and not the words of victory and strength and overcoming. The problems are real. It's not that the problems are not real. I'm not saying that we're going to live in a life without problems. We're not going to live like that but we can at least come forth from our mouth because of where our spirit is that we're speaking confidence and victory and hope and deliverance and trust rather than the why, or I don't know what's going to happen, but speaking confidence and victory rather than defeat. Now there's only one, one way you can do that and that's to be over it. You got to be over it and not in it. Now I know we may not be under it, but we're in it, and we need to be over it. I mean, we're not under our problems; they have not wiped us out. But we're not over our problems; we're in them, and there's a difference of being over and in or under. It all goes back of where our trust is. And we can't have trust if we don't have that fellowship with God. We cannot have it. It does not come from remembering some word. It does not come from remembering what what God said. It comes from relationships. It comes from fellowship. It comes from intimacy with God, and the only way that you have intimacy with God is to submit, surrender, yield before God. Jesus made a statement, folks, and that's what, it, and he said this very plainly. And um, he said this: "Without me, you can do nothing." And we need to know that. We need to remember that, that our source our strength, our power, our anointing is going to be from God. And if we're not going to spend time with Him, we're not going to walk with it. It takes time with Him in order to walk with it. We're, prayer- we're prayerless. You say, well, I pray every day. Did you know you can pray every day and not pray? Did you know that? I've gone through those periods Of praying every day faithfully and never praying. We try to get personal without being too personal. Okay. See if I can say it in a way that you'll understand it, just get the word, understand what I'm saying. I can kiss Shirley or I can kiss her. And there's a difference. Okay? There is a difference. One has warmth and meaning and love and all that goes with it. And one has duty. You know, you didn't kiss me goodbye when you laughed. That type. One is duty and one is intimacy. And we can either have duty with God or intimacy with God. God. And if you're not intimate, you do not draw from His strength. He does not give His strength without intimacy. And we must come to a place of becoming intimate with God at all costs. I don't care what else you... Quit reading the Bible. Quit saying your prayers. Quit going to church. Quit doing all the religious things you can think of. Just get intimate with God. If you have to spend you know, do all go away with all those things in order to get intimate with God, get intimate with God. It takes you humbling yourself because it'll it'll rip your pride off. It'll just rip your pride to pieces to humble yourself. And yield and submit to God. You will have to throw down your own self. Pride is our biggest enemy. Self centeredness, self awareness, self desire, self pity. We're our problem self. Pride. I don't have time for it. I don't, you know, all these things that we can, for self, that we don't have time to be intimate with our God. We like the chief places. We like the the the. We like to be seen. We like to be noticed. We like to be spiritual. We like to be the one noticed of being spiritual. We like to be in on the spiritual things. We're always trying to get the chief seats. We don't want to get alone with God with no seat. No one sees us. You know, isn't it strange that God made this request or Jesus made this statement rather? In comparing praying with praying, he said it over in Matthew chapter 5 that the Pharisees pray in front of everybody to be seen and noticed, everybody aware of it. Then he said, This is the way you ought to pray. Remember? He says, Go where? In your closet, in a, in a <coughs> quiet place, and do what? Shut the door. He said, Go in there and shut the door. That's one thing and going in the other room. But make sure that everybody hears you praying. But you know what? Go in there and what? Shut the door. You know why? Intimacy. Where you and God are alone. Intimacy again. Shut the door. It's a wonder he didn't say. Lock the door. You know why? God wants to get you alone. He wants to get you in that interchamber, in that special place where it's you and Him alone. And then He says, the God that hears in secret <coughs> does What? rewards openly. There's going to be an awareness that you've been with God, but if you've been with God, you won't care about the awareness. If you haven't been with God, you've got to let everybody know how much you pray. I've heard a lot of people say it, I've heard a lot of preachers say it, you know, kind of reminding everybody, you know, I get up five o'clock every morning, preach an hour. I mean pray an hour every day, you know, and You know what? You know what they're doing. They're trying to let you know. They might as well stand on the street corner. But intimacy is between you and God alone, and nobody knows what happens in there. Nobody knows what you talked about. Why? It's intimate. You know, I, I got. Let me just get a little personal on that. I think it's the only way I'm going to get this really across to you to understand it. When Shirley and I got married, I had just got out of the Marine Corps where everything was fair game. And what I mean by that is you talked about anything and everything. You know, you just... You was just dirty mouth, filthy mouth, talked about everything. And I'd heard things that I should not have heard about a man and his wife. I wasn't married yet. And surely and I got married. <clears throat> and we agreed on some things. That what we do is private. And when no one was to ever know what we do. Never. It was between her and I alone. And we made some vows to that respect. And that's what it's been on very, very rare occasions in ministering to somebody and the need to share something with the consent of both of us, we might share. But it's been so rare. But what we have is ours alone. and no one else and the same thing with God when we come to a place that we become intimate with God to where it's between God and us alone we will never want anyone know what went on in our time together God rewards openly but he doesn't talk about it he just rewards what you talk what you talk to him about he rewards it openly you know there's something about being really alone with god intimately that shows on a person's countenance you can really tell people who have been missing their prayer time without them ever saying anything you just know. You just know. If if you've ever seen the other, you just know. I don't know how you know. You just know. You know when they're intimate with God and you know when they're not intimate with God. It shows. you rewarding openly. Now, you know, God promoted a man who later quit thinking he was small and thought he was big and he lost the kingdom. But when God gave him the kingdom, he saw himself as the least and the smallest. And he come humbling himself. In fact, when they chose him, the day they chose him to be king, and he was going to be revealed to the kingdom, and they went through the ceremony of searching him out, he was hiding back with the stuff, with the luggage. He was hiding back there. They had to go find him to bring him out and drag him out there and here's your king, you know. God was promoting him. But he saw himself as little. The chief places aren't worth it. The chief seats aren't worth it. The Bible says those that sought the chief seats later were what? Brought down and put to shame. And those that sought the least were brought up and honored. Folks, I'd encourage you not for the church's sake you know, this church is only going to be what you are. It will never be any more or any less than what we are as a whole. And I'm not certain, certainly not saying this as, as the church. I'm saying it to you individually. This is a message to you individually. Whether anyone else sitting next to you, across the aisle from you, behind you or in front of you, ever does anything... This is a message to you. And if you're going to wait on anybody else, or watch and see if anybody else does it, you've missed the whole thing. Because God's message is to you, calling you. You ought to get into sometime the Song of Solomon and read it again. And instead of the Shunammite woman, put yourself there. And the place of of, uh, Solomon put Jesus there and find that that Jesus wants a relationship with a bride. And He calls us to Himself. And He brings us to, to, to special places. And there's a love relationship there that is sweeter than anything that this world can offer you is a relationship with God. Okay? There are no substitutes. There are no shortcuts. The only way... Is to go to the inner chamber, the inside chamber, the deep chamber with God. Close the door so that you can have your privacy with God, so that you can walk out above every need, every problem. Everything in your life, walking above it and not in it. Now, that alone may mean anything to you if you, if God speaks you to you tonight. If God says this to your heart, you understand what I'm saying. You say that's what I've been looking for. That's what I had once. That's what I need and go and find that place where it's you and God and He will come and He'll visit you and you will not know that you could have had such a personal relationship with God like that. If you've never experienced it, you have no idea the joy That God brings when He comes in His presence. Let us pray, Father. I feel sometimes when I stand here so inadequate with words. father like the, there needs to be many more words said or ways of saying it but father I depend upon the Holy Spirit to break this bread and distribute it to the hearts and the and the spirits that are here tonight and father I depend upon your word that says he that has ears to hear let him hear and Father, that and I depend upon Your Word where it says that some fall on fertile soil and produce hundredfold. And Father, I know tonight there are some people here that are hungry for You. They are hungry for Your presence. And Father, people that will sell all they have in order to find that place, that relationship with You. And I pray, Father, that they would not rest until they draw aside and allow You to love them like You want to love them. And to show them what it's like to have Your presence not only in the inner chamber but to walk out of it with, you, with them in strength and power and authority like they've never known. God help us tonight. Father, break down the lies of the devil and the enemy that would steal the word from their hearts. I pray, Father, that You'd break the chains of fear upon them and break the spirit of pride in their lives. Father, that nothing will satisfy. Nothing does satisfy but You. And I pray this tonight for us. I pray every one of us tonight would find a place, slip off in a corner, and pray. And that you'll meet them as a beginning. Have they been there before, Father? That you just come back and present yourself again. And I pray it in Jesus' holy name.